Welcome back to the Oral Health Podcast. Now today I'm talking to Dr. Sandra White about her experience working in a variety of settings with people with severe mental illnesses as well as severe learning disabilities. Now Sandra has had a very wide and varied career and now she is um, working with the Association of Dental Groups and she was also just recently given an OBE for her work in dentistry. So we were really, really lucky to get to sit down and talk to her at our Smile Month event in May. Um, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. Um, Just a bit of a warning, we do discuss some mental health issues and things like assault. So if that is not your cup of tea, then come back for the next episode tomorrow. So do you want to just start by introducing yourself and your background? Okay, okay. So my name's Sandra White. Um, I started as a clinical dentist in... uh, in Manchester, where I trained. I worked a few years in maxillofacial surgery in Manchester and then in London at the Royal Free. Um, And then I moved into special care dentistry and that's where really my passion was in terms of my clinical career. And um, I moved from Bedfordshire to Warwickshire to Northamptonshire and ended up seeing lots of people with um, learning disability, mental health problems. I went out to traveler sites, to um, the soup, we set up a service in the soup kitchen, um, a domiciliary service. So it was all the, the people that really were f- struggling to find um, dentistry elsewhere. And then after a number of years of that, probably you know, 15, 20 years of clinical practice, I went into public health and ended up going through primary care trusts as well, and then strategic health authority, and then ended up as the national lead for dental public health in Public Health England where I was until last year when I retired, and now I do one day a week for associated dental groups. So now I've come all the way full circle back to clinical dentistry. I don't work clinically, but I work with those that do. That sounds amazing. When it comes to those who may have um, learning disabilities, what things would you um, say they might find more challenging than the average person when it comes to oral health care? Well, well, learning disability is is a spectrum. So, you know, we tend to think about, I worked in um, a a clinic where it was inpatient learning disability. So we saw those that had no communication, that were aggressive, that um, were really difficult to manage for the carers. But there are people with, that have a label of learning disability that may have Downs and it actually can live independently. And, you know, so, so I think it is, it's a bit of a spectrum there, but for those that um, are that struggle with communication, so they can't maybe not be able to speak or not understand, there are those that find it really difficult to get organised in terms of come to an appointment at a certain time, and then other not learning disability particularly, but things like autism where they will struggle with the dentist in terms of the noise or touch or. The, the, the lighting or so it's there's all sorts of barriers apart from all of the societal barriers and financial barriers and everything else mm-hmm. so if we if we look at autism specifically you mentioned like they might find the environment of the dentist mm. overwhelming mm. is it just like the lights and the sounds or is there something that can be adjusted to make them feel maybe a little bit more comfortable a little bit less uh, yes. overloaded 
So what, a, what the dental team can do, and I mean the team, not just the dentist, the dental team can, can perhaps, um, there are all sorts of little videos out and books out about what to expect, so people have a, a, an idea before they come of what it would look like. You can even take little mini videos of the person when they have their treatment, so they can replay it and look at it and become familiar with it. That familiar, If it's familiar, it's easier. Um, and also, not sort of come and sit in the waiting room for half an hour, you know, when's your appointment time? You want to sit in the car? Do you want to, where, where would you like to be before you come into the meeting, in, into the thing? And just an understanding by the dentist that they might not want somebody touching them straight away and they might not like the sound of just the air. So it's just the everything from the understanding of the clinic to trying to make it as familiar as possible for those with autism. Mm -hmm. And with the, the dental visit, what can the dental team do to help those with maybe additional learning difficulties or something like autism understand yeah. the advice they're being given so like there's a yeah. lot of homework there is for lack of a better there term is, there is so there's something about keeping the messages clear and simple and repeating and not being um you know it, sometimes it's there's an impatience in practice because they've got to get people through and you know, and it's actually realising that some people, do, you just need to say the same thing sometimes, sometimes try it in a different way, they might need a different kind of message, they might need it in, and there's, there's all the other languages, you know, do they need it in signed, do they need it in, in pictorial, pictorial form, form, things like that. So um, I think there's, there's those sorts of things to think about before somebody comes. Mm -hmm. And actually, the more they do, the better they'll get at it. So when I first went into special care, I can remember going into an adult learning centre, which was, which was, which was um, probably about 20 people with quite severe learning disabilities, and they were doing some activities. And I can remember it's the first time I'd really had any um, relationship, actually, with anybody with learning disability. And as I walked in, everybody ran at me, and I can remember thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know whether I can do this. <laughs> and then by the end, it was fine, you know, but it's... The familiarity for the dental practice as well is really important that, mm -hmm. you know, right from undergraduate, do they have any outreach to see people like, you know, that, are, that have learn, learning disabilities or mental health problems? Mm -hmm. So I think there's something about familiarity too. Mm -hmm. And with mental health there, if we can focus on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So mental health, like learning disabilities, I guess, is a massive spectrum. Mm -hmm. Can you give me a very, I'm sure, very simplified version of say someone with low mood or depression versus anxiety or yeah. something like mood disorders like bipolar yeah. like how can all of those different mental health conditions affect how you take care of your oral health right okay so again i'm going to start talking about the spectrum because it's the statistics aren't there out there that's one in six of us on the average week has had some kind of mental health problem in some way and certainly you know last year last summer it was 19%. 19% of the population had had either moderate or severe anxiety. So it's people like us as well as, you know, people start to talk about mental health and they think about schizophrenia and bipolar and all of the severe mental illnesses. But actually there's that, again, that really wide group of people that might just struggle to get up in the morning or struggle to not cry in the morning or actually they're just scared of the dentist because they've been abused or raped or so I think there's a big spectrum there and we so lumping it all in together with mental health problems is really difficult and, and, and it's obvious it's tried to say everybody's an individual but they are there's a big difference between seeing an inpatient 
patient who, who has schizophrenia to somebody who has a real severe dental anxiety or is depressed because their parents have died or, you know, so it's all those sorts of things. So I think you just, you need to aim at what is the person that's coming, what do they have, and then under, have some understanding of that and then treat them appropriately. Mm -hmm. And actually for the dentist, there's, there's something about everybody deserves kindness and tender loving care and that goes quite a long way really and patience and also being kind to yourself as a dentist There's, there might be some people that you can't treat you don't have the skills or the knowledge to treat and in that point think okay I, I can't do this I've got to refer them on to special care dentistry or, or whatever <laughs> and sometimes it's not safe you know I've treated people I've when I worked in with <laughs> inpatient mental health we had people Somebody tried to strangle the nurse with a stethoscope, somebody got punched, you know, we had all sorts of things. So there's something about being kind to yourself as a dentist and dental teams as well, yeah. so that you stay within your limits, but you try and just treat people with respect and dignity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Um, it can be a case of having to repeat the same things yeah. and getting really frustrated when someone isn't doing it because you think yeah. it's so simple. And is yeah. that kind of the same experience as a, as a dentist in practice? If oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, it is. Could you open your mouth? Just open your mouth. Open your mouth. Would you open it? And, and, and however many times you say it, if they don't have the cognitive ability to understand that, however many times you say it, in, a, in however many times, you know, in however many ways, they might not do it. And, Normally people, if they have that much difficulty with communication, will come with a carer. And they are such a source of, you know, how do you manage it? You know, when you're trying to brush their teeth at home, how do you do it? And they've got little tricks, you know, like, oh, I just stick the toothbrush in the side and then they go, uh -huh. So it's using your carers, using or, or, or family or whatever. So that's the way. But just not being frustrated because it just takes time. And you find that sometimes they'll come along and they won't open mouth. And they won't even get in the chair. And the next time you do a filling and you think, I can't believe this, I'm so marvellous. <laughs> but actually it's just, we all have moods, don't we? So so it is difficult. Just mm. be patient. If I may ask as well, um, going back to mental health quickly. So how did you find doing dental care with inpatients in a mental health facility when, in terms of once you left? So it, like the everyday brushing and monitoring it and keeping on top of it. Yeah. How did you find that compared to someone that's like, maybe has a bit of anxiety but is out in the community and can do it themselves. Like, is there really, is there a big difference in between? Well, for both, you have, um, you just have to hope that they can continue it. And, you know, you hope that they have the support to do that. So whether you are, you have severe schizophrenia or whether you have a bit of anxiety, you'll need support. So, you know, one of the common things around depression is you don't want to get out of bed, and actually you don't want to wash your face and you don't want to brush your teeth and so it's hopefully having a support you know and, and trying to make sure that they've got a support mechanism around them to help them with that you know you know can your mum remind you to brush your teeth or is there a carer that comes in twice a day could one of those visits mm -hmm. and being realistic with what you're going to do you know are you going to brush your teeth two minutes twice a day well possibly they might not do but if you can just get the last carer at night to brush their teeth with some fluoride toothpaste or help them or encourage them, then that's what you want to do. And that 365, you know, every single day, 
brushing and caring for their mouth is, is as important, if not more important, than what you can do once or twice a year when you see them. It's really important. That self-care is really important. Mm. But not to victimise them, not think, oh, you just haven't done it. So I've got, you know, it's, it's about understanding where they're coming from. If you had some advice for someone that is experiencing, say, mental health difficulties and is struggling to keep up with that oral health care routine or get yeah. into a routine, what, what, was your, what would be your advice to them? I would say start from being kind to yourself. You know, if you're anxious and stressed, what you don't want is somebody making you feel even worse that you're not brushing your teeth. So do what you can. You know, if you can avoid a bit of sugar occasionally, just start small, it's like small baby steps. As a dentist, it would be lovely if nobody ate any sugar and we all brushed our teeth twice a day with 1500 pup million fluoride toothpaste. That would, that's the ideal. But actually, people are on a journey and do what they can. And just try and be pleased with themselves. If, if at the end of the day they've brushed their teeth, that's marvellous. Give yourself a pat on the back. You know, perhaps you can do it next morning. And if you don't, don't worry, try and do it the evening. So it's about trying to deal with what you've got. It's, people are holistic beings. We all know this. And, you know, if you go to the podiatrist, they'll tell you to look after your teeth and the optician will tell you what to And we tend to say, you've got to do this. But actually just try and do what they can and build it. And people will get an awful lot back, really, from, from little gains. And they'll think, actually, well, I've not got out of bed today, really. I haven't got, no, I haven't got, I haven't got out of my pyjamas. But actually, I did brush my teeth in bed. And that's, that's something, isn't it? That is something. That's, that's an achievement. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that will help. Yeah, 100%. That's really, yeah. really good advice. Yeah. What about, um, it's the same question, but say someone who is aware that they struggle to understand things or take things in as well as maybe other people mm. do, what would you say is the best thing they can do for for themselves in terms of their oral health care? If they know that they struggle yeah. to... Oh, if they're really, you know, and I have worked with severe learning disability and severe mental health, you are so dependent on carers. And the carers have a tough life, you know. They really, they, they are doing a, a, a amazing jobs with a lot of stress, with, you know, lots of different clients. And actually, not all of them are trained well in how to brush teeth or what to do or how to do it. Or, and especially when somebody's wriggly or frankly aggressive, you know. So I think you have to work with carers as much as you can. Um, and that's why the dental team's important. You know, you've got dental nurses, you've got dental therapists, you know, those sorts of... And that continuation of, of regular backup and regular support mm -hmm. will really help. But you are really dependent on the carers for some, for some, of, the, for some of the people that you see. Mm -hmm. There's no way around it. With things like autism, I know diet is a really, mm -hmm. it can be an area of difficulty. Yeah. So as a dentist, if you have an autistic patient who maybe will only eat certain foods and all of those foods are high in sugar, yeah. There is a, a limited amount that really you can yeah. expect from them in terms of someone who can yeah. easily change their diet. And does that play into yeah. the prevention side? Yes, of? of course. Yes, of course. Because, you know, if you have too much sugar, you will have, you know, it, that's, that's the risk factor for dental decay. You can try and tweak things. So if they only will eat white things, you know, only eat white bread, only eat white... You, know, you can try and tweak it so that you look at the frequency... So, okay, so they're going to have a high sugar diet. If we can't change that in any way, then could we just have three meals a day and then 
could we encourage toothbrushing as well at the same time or a fluoride mouthwash or a you know how can we work with them to try and make it as you try and improve their oral health as best we can within within the within what we can do you know you can't always do the impossible can you but if if they're going to have it's a bit like um you know when somebody is in a care home same sort of thing if they're going to be eating Werther's original all day you know you you've almost lost haven't you but can we just give them one Werther's original after their lunch or is there is there any way we can restrict it in terms of the number of times the frequency Mm -hmm. and the duration of time that that sugar's on their teeth Mm -hmm. so there's things that you can do with that and then think and in terms of um, professionally applied fluoride varnish you know encouraging a high fluoride toothpaste and prescribing it if necessary you know they'd come into the high risk factor and if dentists are following delivering better oral health which is the evidence-based Bible really for prevention. The, those the people that have a poor diet would come in a really poor diet, and also additional leaks. Those that are classed as vulnerable, and they would have you know you would be encouraging them to have high fluoride toothpaste and fluoride varnish when it's visits and things like that. Perhaps fish seals on their teeth. Those mm-hmm. sorts of things. So you can still help. Mm-hmm. Just maybe slightly differently than yes. you would normally. Yes. Yeah, and we come and I keep coming back to the fact that everybody's so individual. There isn't a one way fits all. You know. Mm-hmm. And so then, to finish up, what advice would you have for a dental practice who maybe has a patient who has a a bit of mental health difficulties or maybe has some learning difficulties and in terms of what they can do, like practice-wide, if you like, Mm. to help support patients that maybe need a little bit of extra TLC? Mm. Well, I think I've spoken about some of the things along the way. Um, you know, checking the environment, checking the timings of the appointments, understanding things, understand, you know, do your team understand what bipolar is or do your team understand what really it means to be clinically depressed? I don't mean a little bit sad, but clinically depressed. Do they understand what that means? And so actually having some, you know, you can have a mental health um champion within the practice and that's not only good for your patients but also for dentists and we haven't spoken today about the mental health of dentists but they're in a high stress environment there's a high high frequency of um, more than the general population of anxiety and suicide and it's really important that dentists and their teams understand mental health Mm -hmm. not just for their patients but also for their team so that they can spot warning signs and they can support where necessary as well. So um, what's good for your patients is good for you too. That's a brilliant note too. And on thank you, Sandra, for your time. You've been fantastic. <laughs> brilliant advice. I'm, I'm taking on so much of what you're saying. So yeah, thank you so much for sitting down and, and letting me interview you. Lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Sandra, once again for spending some time with me at our National Smile Month event to talk to me. Now, as we've been talking about autism during this podcast, we did reach out to the National Autistic Society to get their perspective on how autism and oral health can be linked. Now, they have said autistic people represent a huge part of our society, around one in a hundred people in the UK, and it's important that autistic children, adults, and their families have the opportunity to go to the dentist, just like everyone else. But many find 
the sensory aspect of a visit, like noises of the drills and smells and tastes from the mouthwash overwhelming, and they may end up not going all together. Small changes can make a huge difference from a dentist. It could be as simple as staff learning more about autism and making simple adjustments, like asking a patient if they are autistic on medical questionnaires, offering flexible appointments, or including information on their website about what to expect so autistic people feel comfortable and reassured during their visit. They also have a lot of information on their website about the different ways that a dentist can make the experience less overwhelming, which we will link in the description of the podcast below. They also said another useful way to help patients is to create a video or storyboard to explain what they can expect during their visit. So videos and photo stories can help people know what the process is beforehand and these can often be a great idea. For some optimistic people who haven't visited the dentist before, seeing what will happen is really helpful. Make sure to share a storyboard on your website and social media channels so patients can easily access it. It's so important that dentists consider autistic people and find out how they can help make the experience of visiting the dentist more inclusive. An unexpected change, like an unplanned visit to the dentist or appointment being rearranged at a short notice, can be really distressing for some autistic patients who may rely on routines to manage their anxiety levels. Dentists and their teams can help manage changes by offering the opportunity to visit practice in advance so patients can familiarise themselves with the environment and what they may be experiencing. It also helps to reassure patients that they can talk to staff at any time and ask them to stop if needed. It's about having an understanding and conversation as to why something might be causing someone to get anxious and then putting them at ease. Now to find out more information, like I say, I will put their information in the description of this podcast. You can also visit autism.org.uk. If you want to learn more about Smile Month, you can go to smilemonth.org, visit us on social media, or if you want some more bespoke oral health advice, you can contact our dental helpline. Thank you once again for listening and thank you to Sandra for getting involved.